In today's episode, I interview my super close friend, Bart Foster. Now, most people know Bart as a successful entrepreneur, but also the author of Business Outside. Bart leads groups of individuals out in the woods to push them out of their comfort zones, to go within themselves and to connect with one another outside in nature. We're going to talk about the ins and outs of networking. We're going to talk about how to motivate and take your team to the next level. This is an episode you don't want to miss. Oh my gosh. It's not a gator jump. I promise you that. That's me getting so fired up that we have Bart Foster all the way from Boulder, Colorado here. I mean, what an epic day. Dude, it's crazy to be in your house. Like I've been watching your stuff online and seeing all this and it's uh, it's cool to be in the what do we call this? I think we're calling it the impact factory. The impact factory. Yeah. So, you know, one of the cool things and and even just going through what we just experienced together, right? With with a group of uh mostly Atlantans, it's so amazing to me how we were introduced via Mark Hodelik. And it was an email introduction saying, Hey, you guys should meet because Bart's writing a book. And I think it took a couple times for us to finally get in touch with each other. And then I was like, screw it. I It was a Sunday. Yeah, yeah. And I, I had, I, I remember. yeah, I didn't have any momentum in the day. I'm like, all right, let me just stir it up. I'm going to call this guy. I'm just going to call a cell phone. I call you and we talk for, I remember hour, walking at like least. at least an hour walking around my, <laughs> my, my front yeah. yard and, and the rest was kind of history, right? I mean, it didn't take me long to know that. Bart is cut from the same cloth as me and that he's an authentic person that really wanted to make a difference. And it was in that I was like, all right, let's see where this goes. And it wasn't long after that, that I think you reached out. We would obviously talk about the book, but you're like, hey, come, I'm doing this thing in Boulder. Yeah. And by the way, I don't know if I'm going to pay for your first class ticket, but <laughs> I will get your hotel room. I'm like, dude, I, I'm in. I, I feel like something's good. Something great is going to come out of this. And I tell you this, Bart, but I now will say anytime you invite me to something, I will drop what I'm doing yeah, to, 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 to be there because of a variety of reasons. The most of which is that I make the most amazing connections when I'm actually experiencing business outside alongside mm -hmm. you. Right. It's I remember it, the first call. And, and the reason why we made this connection is you immediately were vulnerable and you were authentic and you shared and you said, Hey, this isn't easy. And we just had this connection. And I just, as you know, sometimes you just connect with people and I knew it wasn't a risk. And I just said, you got to come out and try this. And I thought you were, you would just kind of blow me off, whatever. And it was, it was a week later and you're like, yeah, I'm in. Yeah, totally. My first class ticket. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, one of the things that I think is I, I think everyone should write a book and I, I, it's a amazing exercise that if you had to write a book, asking people, what would that book that you would go on to write? What sure. would that be titled? And what would it be about? It's a good exercise. Everyone yeah. should go through it. And just the process of writing a book, you look at the statistics, 13 million people start a book every year, 3 million end up completing it. And then of those people that complete it, the average amount of sales of that specific book is 120. You're going up against all odds. 
But regardless of that, yeah. what that does for you as a human, and then also the feelings you get right before publishing. And I think this is probably true for any artist. You get super, super vulnerable mm -hmm. right before that published date because you're like, is anyone going to read this? Mm -hmm. Is this any good? And and I think when you help someone through those stages and also get them to expect some of those feelings along the way, it creates a bond. And that, that's part of what this is all about. But take, so take everyone through that who don't know Bart, T take them through oh, kind of your, your story and, and what brought you to what you're now on a mission, not only to do, mm -hmm. but doing. Yeah. You know, I was, I was always a big company guy. I was with Kellogg's with, with Novartis. I was selling contact lenses. I was living here in Atlanta. And, you know, you'd go to these meetings, national sales meetings, whatever, and, and we'd go to these amazing destinations. And I remember I'd get home and my wife would say, hey, you know, how is the going to Mexico, whatever it is? I, I don't know, because I was in a conference room in four walls, you know, with no windows. And it was just mind numbing because we looked at PowerPoint slides all day. And it was just, I always thought there was a better way, hmm. right? Uh, but I I left SEBA uh, Vision. And I started a company called Solo Health. It was based here in Atlanta. And uh, we put those health kiosks, you know, the blood pressure machines like in Walmart. And yeah, Safeway. they're everywhere. Yeah. And um, so you crushed it. Well, I got a call that I waited for for four years in 2012. It was from Walmart. And they said, your pilots exceeded our expectations. How soon can we be in 4,000 stores? It's like, holy shit. And that summer, uh, we were deploying 50 units a day all over the country. We ended up raising 50 million in capital and had Redbox come in, if you remember that company, yeah. and they sat on our board. And we had the people from Blue Cross Blue Shield and Dell came in. Michael Dell got involved, and it was so exciting. Uh, and fast forward, yeah, fast forward two years, and uh, my chairman asked me to go to breakfast. We went to the Flying Biscuit, you know, mm -hmm. that place is. And he said, How big do you want this company to get? And I, I shared with him a number and he said, no, no. He said, I think, I think every once in a while I see a company that has all the making of going public. And that's one of these, these companies. And he said, you know, but we'll have to make a few changes. And I said, oh yeah, we'll need a new CFO. And I had, I had, and he said, no, he said, I think, uh, you know, I would even be CEO for a while. That's how he said it. I wasn't picking up what he was laying down. Is no. that what they sell and they say in the South? Yeah, 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 yeah. I wasn't smelling what he was cooking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Something uh, like that. I, I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, like what, what's happening here? And I got in the car and I just cried. So he essentially fired you I from got the company. forced out of the company that I founded. Hmm. And, you know, for me, solo health was my personal identity. Like I was solo health. Like everybody in Atlanta is like, he's the solo health guy. And, you know, we just, the reason I'm in town is Venture Atlanta, big conference. Thousands of people are, are, it's been going on 17 years. Our company, Solo Health, was the first, one of the first companies to present at that the first year, 2008. Um, and, you know, for me, going back to that story, I, I got in the car and I cried because I, I got forced out of the company I founded. And, uh, but my forum, I was in a YPO forum and uh, they helped me realize like, you're still the same guy, go do something else. And I went on this exploration and this internal journey. And my wife and I spent some time and reconnected with friends and family. And we traveled and I um, I did a personal values exercise and figured out what do I really value? And what's my zone of genius? What's mm. my, and 
I realized that if I could create an intentional life, it's happening by me instead of to me, I'm going to be happier. And, but it was hard. And I went on this journey, but it got us to Boulder, Colorado. And I'm happy to share more of that. But uh, Well, so, I mean, I think you, you hear a lot from people, you move for the opportunity versus moving for like the surroundings. That wasn't the case in, in your story. You, you, you went to Boulder and you're like, all right, well, I'm going to move here first and then we'll figure it out from there. Is that, is well, that part of down? the story? So I went to a meeting. There was a, my wife and I went to this, uh, this YPO meeting and uh, there was a life coach and he had a slide and it said, we walked in the room and it said, how many spring breaks and summers do you have left before your oldest goes to college? We're like, holy shit, eight years. Eight spring breaks, eight summers, right? And it just created this sense of urgency. It's like, well, if we're going to do something, like let's, and the very next resource, we went and talked to this guy, uh, Jim Sharp. He teaches how to find a business to buy. He teaches at Harvard Business mm -hmm. School, how to yeah, find yeah, a business yeah. to buy. And the one thing I took away from his talk, he said, there's businesses all over the world, different sizes, stages, geography, whatever. He said, pick where you want to live first, and then you'll figure it out. Hmm. And that night, my wife and I sat in bed. And she said, you know, maybe we, maybe we should move. We don't have any ties here, whatever. And she started Googling best place to raise a family and healthiest cities and best cities for walkability. And I was like, well, shit, I'm going to Google my own list. And I Googled best cities for entrepreneurs. And anyway, Boulder, Colorado was on all these lists. We didn't know we hadn't ever been there. Uh, went out, fell in love with the, the city. And we were only there for two hours. We're sitting on the rooftop of the Rio. We had a margarita and we just looked, it didn't even say anything, just, one of these and our kids are like, what, what do you mean? What are we doing? And uh, we went back to Atlanta. We sold half of our ship and we moved out. And that was uh, almost 10 years ago. Wow. Hmm. And then so okay. I got to Boulder. So you got to Boulder. And so how, so then what happened? How was business outside born? Because. Yeah. So, and, and this is directly related to some of what you talk about in these authentic and genuine connections, because what I knew coming from Atlanta, the way you network is you set up coffee and lunch meetings. Mm. It's just what you do, right? And I would set up these, I would send out these emails and I, I went to the YPO network and I was just trying to get involved as anything I could. Mixers and networking events and tech stars. And this one woman, she said, I don't do coffee or lunch. It was Elizabeth Krause. She's, she's a venture capitalist. She said, I don't do coffee or lunch. Meet me at the trailhead and we'll go for a hike. And I remember telling my wife, like, I don't know what to wear. This is this is freaking weird. Yeah. Like I'm going to this hiking meeting. Right. right? And I went, I just showed up and where, you know, whatever. And uh, something special happened that day because we're walking shoulder to shoulder. We're not making direct eye contact. And she starts asking me, Oh, what'd you do? And, you know, usually when somebody says, what do you do? It's, I would, I would gravitate to, well, here's what I used to do. Mm. And I did a little of that. And she said, well, tell me more. And I said, you know, I was forced out of the company I founded. And I thought for sure she'd look and holy shit and just like give me a hug and stuff. And she's like, oh yeah, it happens all the time. I was like, what? And we just walked and we had this authentic conversation. I got home and it was so powerful. And I told my wife, like, this is amazing. And I, so I started doing that and I started inviting people to my house and let's hike, let's go for a walk. And people would say, hey, can you advise me on this? Yeah, meet me in my house. We'll go for a walk. And I was originally going to write a column for Outside Magazine. Hmm and how we do these hikes and we can have authentic connections they actually do business outside and it was one of my friends anthony and he said he said don't do that he said they're just going to steal the idea and he said go get the trademark and uh and he, he helped me realize like it's not just outside in nature it's out of your comfort zone 
it's outside of corporate norms. It's doing things differently. It's it's not meeting in that shitty hotel ballroom yeah. and with no walls. It's actually doing things different. So when COVID hit, I'm sitting on my third Zoom call of the day, and I look at my calendar. I got two more, and I look outside, and it's Boulder, Colorado, blue sky. You haven't been – you've been to Boulder. Yeah, yeah. It's – and – I just had this, it was like this Zoom fatigue. And I looked at my calendar and I'm like, why? It's so nice outside. And so I texted the two people that I had calls with that afternoon. I said, hey, w- would it be okay if we just took the call outside and I'm going to walk? And I was a little apprehensive because it was a big meeting. And I was like, are they going to be offended? What are they going to think? You know, and if I'm on video, do I have to put like, do I have to like dress up? And like, and they said, oh, that sounds like a great idea. I'm going to do the same thing. And I put in a pair of AirPods and we just walked on the trail and we had this meaningful conversation and I came back and I just felt so alive. And I thought, well, shit, why can't we do this all the time? And then it just started growing from there. I love it. It's and that's so the business cool. outside. Well, and you look at how far, I don't know if you've watched the Surgeon General, um, just did a podcast with Ritual. This, like it was mm. published like two days ago and the whole premise on it is the epidemic of disconnection that's happening. And one out of two people being disconnected, obviously it's a a lot of the work that I do with some of what's happening within our organizations, that lack of connection. The foresight that I'd say both you and I had in taking action on alleviating some of these pain points was, I mean, it's pretty extraordinary if you think of it's your timing could not be any better. But I'll also say, all right, there was a time I, I ended up having, I'm really good at doing speeches, right? I love getting people fired up. I'm really good at sitting across from someone. I'm not as good at all of the things that I think you are almost a magician at, mm. which is really more of the workshop outside. How do you choreograph it and make these calls along the way? And that's very stressful to me, especially if you played out over like two days, right? Sure. And so I was prepping for this company in Boston. I was going straight from a speech in LA to to Boston on a red eye and doing a three-hour workshop around how the team could better collaborate. And I reached out to you. I was like, dude, obviously I've read your whole book. I've I've got a couple of ideas. What do I do? Like, how do I get this group to open up? We're we're in a conference room and right right outside uh, of uh, the Boston park, whatever that is, um, you know, near Quincy market, blah, blah, blah. And you take me through, okay, Chris, so here's what you need to do. And the first thing that you said was, okay, you got to ground them. You got it. So you go in and and you got to do a mindfulness, like grounding, centering and grounding. grounding. And I did it, right? (laughs) You did? I did it. I did it. I don't know if I ever told you that. I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be the hardest thing I've ever gotten paid to do. But then I did once again, this is a Japanese company that was had expanded wow. into the U.S., huge pharmaceutical company. But the Japanese leadership, what they found was they didn't have the same vibe. They couldn't just apply the, the Japanese way to these super smart American leaders. And so it was about 10 people. And you were the one that said, all right, Chris, here's what you need to do. You need to map out a, a walk nearby. Anyone with like high heels or whatever, they're going to have to throw them in the backpack. Blah, blah, blah. You're taking <laughs> me through this. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can pull this off. Right. And I, I followed your script and I pulled it off. Right. It was, and it was an amazing thing. What ended up unfolding, we did like a 45 minute walk to a park in Boston and 
then I came back and did more of my thing. But I walked away from that with this understanding mm. of just how impactful what you do is. And I'm not just saying like, yeah, I'm not just throwing well, you that experienced out. It today. Right? And I experienced it yeah, today. You did it in Atlanta, yeah. So I, I want you, your book has some of my favorite tactics and, and you know, my favorite of all of your things. And I don't know if I've even told is you this the video. No. no, I love the video. And I want you to talk about right. that. It's walkie talkie. Uh, I get so many people in audiences where I say, raise your hand if you understand your purpose. And it's always five to 10%, right? Raise your hand if you've set a vision for your life three to five years from now. It's always, no one knows really where they're going. And, and I implore on them, there's nothing worse than walking this route without going towards, just put a stake in the ground. And people will ask me afterwards, What's one of your favorite exercises outside of like Simon Sinek's work you that you can it? do? So walkie talkie. Yeah. Okay. So I'm like, I got this friend Bart <laughs> and he says, screw the whole conference thing. And this is what he does. And he'll do a couple icebreakers and some different exercises yeah. to get people vulnerable out of the gates. But, and then he will break people up into groups of three for this one walkie talkie exercise. This is how I explain it. Cool. Tell me if it's yeah, right. That's fine. And uh, no one had ever, no one's ever met each other. And they have to talk about as if it just happened their life three to five years from now. But they're half, they have to talk for a full, they have to set a timer on their phone for a full 10 minutes. And what happens every single time yeah. is that three to four minutes in that person that's leading the other two listening and hiking along. They're like, he, the person leading is like, it's got to, it's been like, 14 minutes. It's like, no, it's only been three. So you got to, you get everything out. But the, from a psychological perspective, the most impressionable thing that happens after that is when you, the other two people in that group mm -hmm. have to reiterate what they heard mm -hmm. in their own words. And I actually looked into some of the psychology around this and it's totally legit. When you hear your vision three to five years mm -hmm. from now from someone else, not only does it create accountability, but it makes it that much more attainable and you hear what you choose to hear. And it allows you to work through this process of what usually takes people sometimes months to figure out. Totally. Yeah. In this moment. So that's how I explain why so we talk. And so it's, it's such a good name as a marketing well, no, guy. It's a and good we, name. we have a slight variation and you can try different ones. So the future backwards. So imagine three years in the future. So how are you old, old you are, you imagine you're three years older kids, three years old, the whole thing, as if you're there. And then the key is you have to put yourself in the first person and you talk as if the two people you're with, you haven't seen them in three years oh, I love that. and you catch them up to speed on what happened. Oh, I love that one because then it takes you into the first person and then you're just describing what already happened. And of course it's aspirational. And it, it's funny because you said that 10 minutes. So something magic happens after about six you, you start running out of shit to talk about and you're like, and you're just trying to fill the space. And then all of a sudden, if you keep talking, you'll hit your subconscious and that's where the stuff really mm. unfolds. So anyway, I'm glad you like it. So the walkie talkie and you can do it with different yeah modalities, different time frames, different people, but it's cool. Well, especially, I mean, as I work with both teams, but also sales organizations around how to better network and sell, I mean, obviously I'd say save your asks, right? Like go in with the only desire of an interaction being just authentic connection in the end, save your asks, like sure. don't go over for the cell. And as I interviewed people for my book, I 
interviewed this woman, Lydia Finette. I don't know if I mentioned mm-hmm. her to you. She's the head auctioneer at Christie's Auction House. And Lydia and I totally hit it off. We were introduced through a mutual friend. And she mentioned to me in our many conversations, she also wrote the foreword of my book, that she is one of the only female entre- uh, uh, auctioneer peoples at Christie, right? She's one of the only female. She doesn't have a British accent. She doesn't have gray hair. She's very different, right? right? She says, when you're on that stage in front of the world's like most influential people, like A-list celebrities, you're sharing the stage with Bruce Willis or Bruce Springsteen. You got to do something to set yourself apart. But the most important piece is when you go and you sit down at that round table at that nonprofit, we've always been at, all of us have been at that round table, right? You're eating the rubber chicken. You're looking around you're like, man, I'm running out of stuff to talk to these people about, right? I've already talked about what my kids are, what they do, blah, blah, blah. But what she said, she said, at that roundtable, only 5% of people are actually memorable. And so what are you doing to not only go deeper, but also set yourself apart? She said, it's the questions you're asking and the stories you're telling. The questions you're asking and the stories you're telling. That is everyone's first step towards what we hear more and more about, which is your own kind of brand, building your personal brand. And so I then lead into one of my favorite questions to ask, which is, tell me about your perfect day. And you go around and you learn so much about people when you hear those answers. But here's what I love about what you do is you are probably the best resource for how can you get to that place of authentic connection with people the fastest. Mm. So I I say, you know, describe for me your perfect day when you're sitting around that table, Right. right? Or my, another one of mine that I love is what's your dream? Tell me your dream. What fires you up? And then that, that, but you're as a participant, right? Yeah. In these that I'll chime in here and there. I get to see your ability to break down walls very quickly, mm. which is truly an art form. Talk about in all of your arsenal, some of your favorite tactics to get to that place mm. of it's connection. Great. Yeah. Uh, so you nailed the first part, which is ask better questions. And the best questions are ones that elicit emotion. And what I mean by that, it's a feeling, an emotion. That's what people remember. If you think about a bell curve, right? And I drew this today. You know, 70% of the conversation we have in life are right in the middle. Mm. How's your job? How are your kids? That's a cool car. Neat, neat glasses. Uh, we should catch up sometime. You're going to go to that, that dinner tomorrow. Who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? No one really cares, right? It's that 70% in the middle. When you get to the outside, right? It's a little bit deeper. That's where you get to the feeling and the emotion. I'm sad. So the outside being uh, yeah, it's good and bad. So think about a bell curve, right? Yep. Yeah. A good and bad, positive and negative. Right? Yep. Got it. So positive side, I'm happy. I'm elated. I'm joyful. Sad. I'm mad. I'm angry. I'm pissed off. Got it. Those are emotions. And then the tail... That's where you rarely go. It's kind of the deeper, darker stuff. Sometimes it could be trauma. It could be you know, something you share with your spouse. Mm. But most people, right, they they find right in the middle. But the best questions are ones that can elicit emotion. So this morning, right, we were on this hike. If you remember, the first question was, what is something you celebrated or you're proud of over the last six months? Something you celebrated or you're proud of over the last six months. So it enables people to, they can go as deep as they want. But inevitably, it's going to get some feeling. I was excited. I took this trip. I, I my, my daughter was born, what, whatever it is, it's a feeling. It's an emotion. That's what people remember. So if you want to be 
memorable. You talk about that 5%. The reason people aren't memorable is because they stay right in the middle. Yeah. How's the weather? How's your job? Hey, we should catch up. Hey. <laughs> like no one learns anything. It's so stupid. It's mind numbing. But the problem is we never were, we never were taught how to do that. So I always love questions um, that elicit that emotion. But I also say, and this is something cool. Think about a proverbial kind of backpack, right? You should always have four things in your backpack. And I, I say four, three, two, one, right? So four stories, you should have a positive and negative business personal. Mm. So you can, you can think of it like success and a challenge, yep. business personal, that's four. Okay. Three, so three quotes that only, you know, three quotes that inspire you. Yeah. That you you should know like who wrote them. Uh, two facts, two facts that only you know that kind of make you interesting. And one question that you can ask anybody in the world. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Four, three, two, one. So here's the question that I love to ask people. Let's hear it. Is think about knowing what you know now, what would you tell yourself 20 years ago? No, your 20 year old self, whatever it is. And figure out the number. The reason I like that question, you can have it 10 years, whatever. What you know now, what would you tell yourself back 10 years ago? Why I like it that is you can ask a billionaire or a homeless guy in the street, the same question and you find out what they say and you're going to get to the feeling the emotion whatever but four three two one is really cool to come into a conversation because it arms you with other things to talk about and if you get beyond the 70 percent anyway so well so you get it but you're leaving something out which i think is super i my wife and children will not even go to Publix with me anymore because according to one of my daughters, Chris, anytime you go to Publix, you end up crying in the corner with someone because you have this weird connection with nice. them, right? Like, and that's an exact, that's like maybe 5%. Yeah. I you mean, that today. but yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> but I tend to scare people with how, cause when you practice for sure, this for sure. place of authenticity and yeah. going deep, yeah, it can scare for sure certain individuals, but what I love about what you do, Bart, is you ease them into it. Talk mm -hmm. a little bit about yeah. how you do that in a very deliberate no, fashion good. where you have people line up. Because I think, you know, for people listening sure. or watching, they're like, well, how do I start this with my team? I'm not going to just dive into this stuff. And I think that exercise. Oh, like the line doing, exercise. The line exercise yeah, is so, so good I, before I, anyone ever meets. And then the eye contact of it. Talk about oh, that. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I'll share, you know, this morning and we actually did it with a team, um, two days ago with a corporate, we do the corporate retreats and we did it with their management team. But today, right. We had uh, a line and I had two groups. One was on one side and one on the other, and they faced each other. And I stood at the end and I said, guys, I'm, I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to say a question. And if it's true, I want you to take a big step forward. But the key is I want you to make eye contact with someone else. There's a key for a few reasons. I'll tell you. So it starts really simple. And it's like uh step forward if you have kids, everybody's, you know, there's half the group steps forward. All right, take a step back. I have two kids. Take a step back. I have three kids. All of a sudden, everybody claps. The guy has five kids. People are like, holy shit, you have five Psycho, kids, yeah. right? It's real quick. Boom, boom, boom. But you're making eye contact. And all of a sudden, you see in a line, a group, of, I think there was 80 people out there today. All of a sudden, you see, holy shit, those three people have five kids too. Yeah. And it just gives you, so you, you talk about in your book, The Race to the Middle. Yep. That's a quick race to the middle, Yeah. right? Next question gets a little bit deeper, right? It'll say something like, um, it took me more than three hours to get here, right? Okay, more than five hours, more than 10. All of a sudden, I grew up outside the US. If it's true, take a step forward. I speak more than one language, right? Take a step forward. And the point is you start to get people to feel like, oh, I'm not alone. 
there's other people like me. We want to be part of a tribe. Mm -hmm. The problem with Zoom, we're all sitting in our offices like we're not part of a tribe anymore. So you have these questions and then it gets a little deeper. And I'll say, I sometimes wonder if I'll be relevant 10 years from now. And it takes a couple people that are courageous. And then all of a sudden it's like, huh, yeah, I think that too. And then I'll say, I've had a project or a business fail on my watch. And that one you can kind of see people are looking and, and all of a sudden a couple of people step forward. And then all of a sudden, 80% of the people, awesome. you saw it. Yeah. And it's like, whoa. And what we're doing is people are starting to take off their masks and they're starting to break down that shield and they're starting to be vulnerable and authentic. And that's where the magic is, because if we can get to the feeling, the emotion, you take the mask away. And then what happens is when we're outside, clothing doesn't matter. We're not pulling up to the valet line, looking at whose car is whose and, and trying to like size each other up and judgment. It's like, no, we're going for a walk in nature and we're moving. We're not making direct eye contact. We're walking shoulder to shoulder. And all of a sudden I say, you know, motion creates emotion. Mm. That's the magic, because if you make an emotional connection, that's the authenticity and the deep connection. I well, and sense? totally. And I think it's one thing to play it out like this morning over one and a half hours. And it's another thing to play it out over two days. And I was fortunate yeah. enough to watch. You did two and a half days. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, out in Boulder. Right. Sure. So just envision this. Right. All these very, very accomplished C-suite executives, mostly presidents, right, yeah, yeah. of organizations. Everyone comes up and they're like, they kind of don't know what to expect. You know, you kind of see as you're easing into these exercises that once again, play out. Well, over three and four still have their sport coats on. Yeah, exactly. They came from Atlanta. Exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And then what ends up happening is I always go to that vision of in Boulder Creek where everyone ends up getting down to either their board shorts or like even boxers. Right. And they're oh, doing a yeah. Wim Hof immersion. And as that happened, sure. in this case, I thought to myself, when you talk about easing in, that that's on the third day. That's, that's on the third day. But here. like, gotta, but literally, yeah. like fourteen hours ago, sure, everyone was super uncomfortable. Didn't even Look know each at, other. Talk about vulnerability and bonds. And now here's where it gets super cool. And I don't know if I told you this. I was looking at the pictures of that trip, yeah. and once again, we go through all these awesome exercises that Bart is the master around, and he's choreographing this kind of almost culmination of connection within that group. And it's towards the end, we do the the immersion in Boulder Creek. And I looked, you, people are breaking, you break people up into smaller groups of like eight to 10, I think, yeah, yeah. right? And you do this Wim Hof breathing with your shirts off and you have your arms around each other and you're getting in this frigid cold water, which for a lot of people, super uncomfortable totally. for a variety of reasons, yeah. even just having shirts off, right? But I looked at one of those pictures from, that was what, maybe two years ago. Mm -hmm. And I looked at the people in it and I don't know if it was coincidence or not, but the ones that I still have connections with today and on a weekly basis were all people in That's my, awesome. in my circle. Like how beautiful is that? I just love you sharing that. I, I get so much uh, joy from validation like that. And it, it just goes to show that you created this the emotional connection, this bond, and uh, and it still lives. So it, it's awesome. I love hearing those stories, and and we hear it all the time, which yeah. is so cool. And you didn't even know these people at all, going at all, in, going into it at all. But when you do something, 
a little out of your comfort zone, right? A little uncomfortable. You get to the feeling, the emotion, you make these unique connections. And all of a sudden you've got solid connections for a long time. So in all of your work, now that you're doing this so consistently, mm. what are some of like, give me your favorite story of what's come out of this movement that you're triggering. What are some of those things that kind of come to you top of mind of what you've been able to watch in someone's transformation? I, well, I'll give you one. You alluded to it earlier and then I'll, it'll probably dovetail into another, but uh, you know, we do these selfie videos that we talked about. Okay. Explain it. Do you want me to explain that? Yeah. Cause I think we should challenge people watching or listening to do it. But I, I also like your question. I'm trying to think of some of the, we've had a lot of transformative where people just feel like they're getting out of their comfort zone and they're trying something completely unique and different where they realize that life is really short and um, yeah, but the, you know, the one exercise that we do with companies that I was very apprehensive to do in the beginning and, um, and we did it this morning and I've done it with you and I, we, we do this personally, which is I say, I want you to think about somebody in your life you're grateful for. It could be anybody. Um, I usually tee up the question, think about your life, like works in the road. We had different paths along the way. Who was a person who made a huge impact on your life? What'd they say? How they changed the trajectory of your life and how they make you feel at, at one of those critical junctures, right? That's the lead up. But I say, I want you to think about anybody that you're grateful for and take out your phone and we're going to record a selfie video. Okay. So that could be the challenge that we have for the, the, the people watching, because what I realized is that one, nobody does it. No, nobody does. This. Yeah. So, but you create this, they can feel and see your emotion. And when you express gratitude, most people, they don't realize the impact that they make on us big or small. It could be somebody in the line at Starbucks. It could be your long lost uncle you haven't talked to in 20 years. It doesn't matter. There's all kinds of people in our life that make an impact. And what I challenge people with is record a 30 second video and tell the person what they mean to you. And I, and I, I tell people and I'll, you know, even anybody watching, I know it's weird. It's different. No one's done it before. And you can blame it on me, blame it on Chris <laughs> and say, Hey, this guy, I heard this podcast. I just, you know, whatever. But I challenge people to go and take five minutes and record a video. And if you want to send five, great, but pick one and send it. And what happens for me is it creates this gratitude loop. And all of a sudden people are like, holy shit, like, thank you. And I've done it with you and you've yeah, done it with yeah, me now. And totally. we use Marco Polo in between, right? That's an app. And But the the whole video, and, and so when I take it into companies and they do this, I would say a 30% of the group, they come back in tears because, and I'll, I'll say, well, what happened? And they say, well, I sent it to my wife. I sent it to a spouse. I sent, and I had one, this is just last week. I was telling my colleague about yesterday, and this might get to your question. Um, we had a, we had a hike in Toronto and there was a group and uh, there were some spouses there. And after we did the videos, we're walking back to where we started. And uh, 
the guy was talking to somebody in the back and he said, Hey, I want you to hear this. And he came and he said, let's, you know, I want you to keep this confidential. Uh, and he said, uh, I sent a video to my wife and she's up there. She's, and he said, uh, I expressed some things I've never told her before in this video. And he starts crying. And, um, he said, she texted me back and she, she said, that's the most uh, meaningful thing you've told me. And, and he said, I think it, this could have changed. And, and you swung the pendulum and whatever he said. And it just got, I even have the chill saying it because all I, all I did is create a safe container for people to share. Mm. And I encouraged people to be vulnerable and be authentic. And I knew him for a whole 35 minutes. So there was something with that connection. Um, and we see it all the time with, with, in companies, because, you know, what I say is we often talk about human resources, but we're not human resource. We're humans. And we don't come to work as colleagues and coworkers. We're mothers and fathers and caregivers. And I always, um, the way I grew up and I'm sure you're similar, we're similar age, a little younger. (laughs) Uh, there was a personal you and a business you. Yeah. And you leave the personal shit at home. Yeah. But I, I really think there's one you. Yep. And it's that authenticity. You totally. Know, so. Totally. I mean, and, and I encourage everyone watch in and of itself on Hulu or Disney. I mean, it's such a great representation of exactly what you're talking about, that we're actually made up of all these different things. And I'm not even going to get on my tirade about the importance of side hustles and people's side ideas hustles, develop, man. But, you you do a lot of side but, hustles. But I know I'm getting better at it. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm focusing in more of what I call my ball of yarn. But it was interesting today as we were trying to figure out, all right, what do you want me to talk about in the, what do you call it? The, the trailhead? You're a, you're a trail encounter. Trail encounter, it's 20, it's right? Where I can yeah. go on a little tirade about authentic connections. But one of the things I wanted to great, share. Thanks for coming. Of course, dude. That's I mean, so it was so awesome. And and I mean that, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's it gets me so fired up to, to be a part of what you are doing and and also to every time I walk away with not only new connections, but also an appreciation for what you do. Um, but what I call it the gobstopper effect. And and the gobstopper effect is that in everyone I've interviewed around how to better network sell, but also even connect with your teams, the harsh reality is that we all have these surface level relationships in life. And even in our daily interactions. We, ta- we fail to go deeper or sustain that relationship, right. but sustaining it, but then also going deeper. So much of life, once again, is in that 70%. And one of the things I'm trying to be a catalyst around is for people to trust themselves, be a little bit more vulnerable and go deeper. And so once again, creating relationships is easy. It's sustaining and deepening them that's so difficult. And my gobstopper theory is this. I look at my core group of people, you yourself included, but you know, I've got a Nigerian guy in there that I never would have talked to, or my friend Mayo, who is a church leader here who went to prison for five years after being in the NFL. And I look at these relationships and none of those ever would have gotten deeper if I didn't trust myself, but also deliberately gotten them to be sure. to that next level, right? So, and the gobstopper theory is this, that in life, we, 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 I only, I like the watermelon. I like the green, right? I don't really want the purple ones, but when you're surrounded by these daily interactions and also relationships at work and, and even in our, in our friends group, 
we don't take it to that next level, right? And when we practice some of your tactics, right? When we go through these different layers, what we find is at the core of all these individuals is something that we never would have tasted before, right? Yeah. And the name of the game is deepening them, yeah. right? And that's why as a resource, I do, I, I bought quite a few of your books, but for the exercises that are in there, to help break down those layers of the gobstopper so we can get more to that cool. core yeah. is one of the greatest things. And I mean, I was telling you, I mean, even like in line getting coffee, my friend Mayo, like the only thing he said to me, getting coffee was he looked at me, he taps me on the shoulder. He goes, bro, I like your energy. And I turn back and I go, bro, I like your energy. <laughs> and this guy's like, That's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. I was like, dude, come hang out. What what uh, do you want to come from to my house for lunch tomorrow? He's yeah. like, yeah, I, absolutely. So he arrives, we meet in here and it was like instant connection. He tells me about, he played for the NFL and then became the biggest drug dealer in Atlanta. Then went to prison, found God, his wife in prison. And now he started this church. And then we find out Muhammad Masakoy is a common friend of ours. We FaceTime him and yeah. now we, I'll go to the barber shop to hang out with him because he's like, Chris, you ever go to a black barber shop? I'm like, no. He's like, well, you are now because we're going to just hang out and connect or he'll pick me up at the airport. But like, yeah. I never would have gone deeper no. in that. No, right? right. And the name of the game in a world where there's an epidemic of disconnection epidemic is going deep, of disconnection. Deeper. Yeah. It, it's, it's insane. And so I, I want to, let's pull on that thread a little sure. bit because what I'm seeing is in, in the workplace, Right. You think about it, there's there's different spaces in work. So you've got your home life, you've got your work life, and then you know, hopefully you've got a community that fills that void that's not necessarily there. With COVID, all of a sudden the work life got disrupted. Totally. And we're like, well, where's the connection? Where's our community? Where's and what's happening is so what used to be these boondoggles where you'd go off and booze it up at the bar and do these whiskey tastings and cigars and all this, that's going away. And it's going away for a variety of reasons, right? You've got the Me Too movement. You've got um, budgets and things. But when people get together, they want genuine connection now. Because if I'm going to get on a plane, because I can do those shit on yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'm going to get on a plane, I'm going to be away from my family. Yeah. Right? Because COVID almost was like those defibrillator paddles. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, dude. And people are like, holy shit. Like, I can live a different life. I can work out of here. I can build a podcast. I can build a whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can create all these side hustles, right? People are there. So big companies are now saying, well, wait a minute, we still have to get together. But when they get together now, they want genuine connection. So to me, so I want to hit on that trend because yeah. I think the future of work is going to be these genuine connections and getting together. And that's why I want to continue to collaborate because we can go into totally. big companies and help them, right? Create these connections. I love it. Well, and I'll do the hikes and you do the keynotes and we'll yeah, exactly. give it each is, other it high fives. Dude, it's the perfect combo. All <laughs> right. So uh, but for people listening or watching, yeah. how can they find you or connect with you? So businessoutside.com. Awesome. Uh, or bart-foster.com awesome. are either ones. And um, yeah. I and buy the book, guys. Like it is, it's got, it's, I almost, after reading it, I think I told you this. I was like, I can't believe you're giving all this away. It's such good stuff. You did tell right? me that. But I, you know, for us, it's it's the you know our core product. It's kind of a two and a half day retreat yep. for corporations. Uh, but we, you know, we'll do workshops and we'll cut, we'll parachute in, and in a day and a half, I mean, you can create some really meaningful connections. But what what we really focus on, which is the key, to, I think, corporate and uh, 
is building trust mm. and have healthy conflict mm. because trust is the foundation. If you think about it, like Patrick Lencioni's the five dysfunctions of a team, he talks about that bottom rung is trust. And if we don't have trust with each other, we can't have healthy conflict. If we can't have healthy conflict. We can't have a shared commitment and accountability. And so I don't want to lose fact side of the fact that trust and that's why I think we get along so well is, yeah, we have a great relationship. We like the vibe, but we trust each other. Yeah. And the reason why you said, hey, I'll drop anything. You invite me to something. I'm there. Yeah, we have a genuine connection, but it's because of trust, mm-hmm. a high level of trust. Yep. And that's what brings companies together. And that's where you have the highest performing teams. Because if you don't have trust, everything falls down. Yep. So Connections are awesome. It's great to have a lot of good friends like you, but trust is, you know, totally. so that's what we have. All right. So I'm going to end with my favorite question okay. and one that I ask everyone in here. Bart, what is your dream? If I were to say, what is that dream? What is your dream? And I mean, and it might I, be I what you're doing now. What I love about working with CEOs and, and companies and things is because you have a, an opportunity to impact more people. So I want to impact millions of people and I want to create a movement where, and I mentioned today, it's a business outside is way bigger than me. And I've just realized that recently. And I think we have an opportunity to create a movement all over the world where people are doing business in a different way and they're doing business in a unique way environment they're having real conversations they're building trust so i i think the future work really has a place here so my dream is to have business outside around the world people doing it without obviously me and um to look back 10 years from now and, and say remember that cool podcast and we did it and i shared my dream i love it dude that's it's that. so good it's so good awesome